Warning, the following podcast contains foul language, sexual themes, and all sorts of other fun stuff. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, so here's the problem. I didn't actually think about how to do this intro. I just know that it's my intro. Um, but I have a girlfriend. <laughs> oh my god, we went over this. She's one. here. <laughs> She's here again now. We went over this two episodes ago. You don't say hi, Steffi. <laughs> She's here. Uh, I'm real. She's real. She'll be giving intermittent commentary again. Um, And and that's how we do this show now is every every other episode, there's just a Steffi here. Give or take. Yeah. Um, Oh, uh, she did tell me about bird DNA. Okay. Blood. Bird blood. Oh, yeah. From the last episode. So, so the thing is, I didn't, I, I wasn't sure, but uh, so blood types in birds are not very well researched, uh, but in chicken, there are 28 blood types in chicken, but there's apparently a lot of stuff that is still unknown with bird blood, because even if you get, uh, give blood transfusions to birds, they still can have allergic reactions and die, even if it's the same blood type. So there's something we still don't know. So- and the nuclei <laughs> is important. Uh, you still have to have blood with the nuclei in it if the blood, if the receiver has nuclei based blood, but it's separate from the blood type. Just to clarify, it's nuclei in the red blood cells. Because that's usually the only cells that don't have nuclei in humans. Okay. So what you're saying is the whole science part behind Max needing to give the transfusion because Fang has bird blood still doesn't make any sense because they... Well, (laughs) it makes sense because of the nuclei. Okay, yes. It it makes sense, but they should have tested it before, before because it's not that simple. If there's so many blood types amongst birds, all six of the bird kids could have different blood types. Because yeah. all of them yeah. are, like, different birds, aside from, like, Gazi and Eve. But how does the human blood... They're mixing human and bird DNA. Yeah. So at that point, you have no guarantees about how the blood works, aside from the yeah. fact that they know they have nuclei in the blood. Oh, my God. So none of it is real. None of it makes any sense. James Patterson. To say, well, none of it's real. We already knew that. (laughs) Are you sure? I know that at the beginning of the book, Max has this little excerpt that's like, all of this is real and you have to keep reading because you're part of it. But uh, Steffi, I I know it's probably harder for you to understand because English isn't your first language. (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. But... uh, That was just for depth, for narrative depth added to the book. I think I'm leaving. (laughs) (laughs) She's going back to school right now. She does not. I'm going back to Germany. (laughs) (laughs) Giving up on her life's goal. She's done. Oh my god, Emmy. 
what like that's the worst joke i've ever made it's not i there was one i was listening i was re-listening just this morning to the last episode that we had steffi on and you made a joke that i like there was just silence for a good like 20 seconds after you said it and like i was was i don't remember and i was listening to it and i was like i should have cut this but also that's what she deserves Oh, I think I even said something stupid afterwards and went like... Oh, you you yeah. were like, we're going to ignore the fact that you said that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. It was bad. I don't remember what it was. I do remember that it was really bad, though. I'm sorry if you it's hear okay. any crunching. I entertain myself. Lucy is eating right next to me. Because... Re- good eating. She's eating her food. I'm literally on the like the desk where I'm recording is where her like water and food bowl are in our bedroom. So like I couldn't move her stuff. It's her spot. I just don't know why she decided to eat right now. <laughs> I think the better question is why you decided to make her food spot on top of a desk. It's to keep uh Ruby away from it. Because I also have a dog who uh, has, they both have basically free reign over the apartment. Like They can go, we keep the bathroom door closed, but other than that, they can go in whatever room they want. So to keep Ruby out of Lucy's food and water, we put it up on the desk in the bedroom. Your dog is crazy. Yeah, that that (laughs) demon would eat the cat food. (laughs) I mean, it's almost exactly the same as dog food, except it's usually, like, higher on fat and stuff, because cats are a lot leaner, so they need more fat in their diet. You're trying to say that Lucy is fat? No, she's very small. She's tiny. She is. (laughs) She's like if Steffi was, was a cat. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. She's very chill. She's very nice. Um, but she's also very sassy. I'm none of that. <laughs> <laughs> she's hot. What? Steffi is high maintenance, mean, but also <laughs> quiet because she's not sassy. Um, oh, she's sassy. I Yes. No, I know she's sassy. I was, I was, I was. <sighs> It's playing off the joke that she's none of those things, yeah. Emmy. God. Pay attention. I don't understand jokes. Clearly not. Okay, Sarah, do we want to start the episode now? That's a good idea, Steffi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being voted off the podcast. This is now Steffi and Sarah's podcast. <laughs> I was it was decided that I didn't actually matter in the long run. Yeah. Hand I didn't I don't box. bring anything to I... the table. I want to tell you, actually, this is so funny. So Survivor is one of my favorite reality television shows of all time. I love Survivor and I love Big Brother. I think the earlier seasons of those shows had like some of the best reality television ever because like it felt more real. But then as time goes on, it like obviously doesn't. It's not as good. Um, But anyway, so there was this clip that was going around on TikTok a little while ago because someone was like, Jeff Probst, the host of Survivor, is like the most woke reality television star I've ever known. And I was like, what? And I was literally like, what are you talking about? But then so this video uh, was from one of the seasons, a couple seasons ago, um, where there was this guy who was on the show and he's trans, um, but he wasn't like out like 
on the show he's out like in in his life you know but like as far as the show goes he's not and so there was this guy who was like this other guy who was up for elimination and he was like you know you basically when you're up for elimination you'll do whatever you can to get everybody to vote for someone else and so he was like hey look i know everybody trusts this other guy trans guy um but like you you should know that like he's been he's been deceiving all of you you know he's i know i happen to know that he's trans and he hasn't told any of you and everybody else was like what the fuck dude like that's literally none of our business what are you doing and jeff goes probes the host goes off on this tangent he's just like you're trying to insinuate that just because he's trans and he didn't tell you which it's not your business that he's capable of deception is that what you're trying to do no you can't walk this back he's like berating this guy going off on him and he just looks around at the group and i don't know if you've ever watched survivor but typically the way that they vote is they all go off and they write down a name and they put it in a box so that it's anonymous so that nobody knows who you voted for and then he like reads off the votes one by one and he just goes around and just points to everybody in the group and he's just like you're voting for him you're voting for him you're voting for him you're voting for him and then he's just like pass over your torch you're done get off the island and i was like <laughs> Oh my god. Jeff Probes trans ally. I had no idea. Fuck yeah, bro. But he's cool. He's he's always been a pretty decent dude as far as reality television hosts go. But, you know, I, just, I mean most reality television is acting anyways. That's a good point, yeah. So, and uh when as we all know, actors are uh very left-leaning generally let me see how that happens there was this tiktok this other tiktok sorry um where this girl this like conservative girl was like things that liberals will never be and it was like the first one was employed what because she doesn't think that leftists are employed sorry liberals which are not the same as leftists but you get the point but like she doesn't think that's the majority of the country And then she was like, uh, lawyers or doctors and stuff like that. And she was like, you can't be a lawyer because you have to have logic. And then it was like, you can't be a doctor because you have to work hard and stuff like that. You can't be a therapist because you have to be sane. And someone in the comments was like, does this- Most of these are professions that leftists are very heavily involved. This girl was like, does this bitch know that like most, the things that she's saying leftists, like liberals will never be are- things that require a college education which the vast majority of people who receive a college education are not conservatives <laughs> just like oh but yeah i don't know i've just never met a leftist therapist in my life you've never met a leftist therapist yeah totally never happened <laughs> out of the realm of possibility i don't know multiple podcasts hosted by lawyers that are leftists there i have two friends from high school who are well one of them i think he still is holding on to the the republican party of old but one of them is literally an immigration lawyer which like by the way immigration lawyers exist and i don't think most of them are conservatives Yeah, one of my friends from high school is a lawyer and is 
gay. We're, and we're leftists. I we are probably not talking about the same person. The people I'm talking about went to Turpin, not Anderson. Faith? No. Okay. Faith is a lawyer? Yeah. Pretty <laughs> sure she went to law school. Oh cool. <laughs> That's so funny. Why yeah, do, why actually, do we know so many I, lawyers? I don't know. When I came out, she was like, hey, if you need any help, once you go to do your name change, I can help you. <laughs> That's so cool. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Enough about lawyers. Shall we get into the actual topic at hand, which is the book? No, let's divert for a little <laughs> while longer onto another tangent. <laughs> so I have some transport. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Steffi. Yeah. You also think this book is better than the last. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I was very confused when I almost enjoyed it. Almost. <laughs> when I almost had a decent time. <laughs> you know, I didn't think I want to burn this every time I flipped a page and I feel like that's progress. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like he probably got some I think he tried because i've read his other books and his like like adult books namely i've read the books that were that inspired this series and his adult books are not like horrible i think he tried to go too snappy in the first book like he was trying to be too flippant too like young and it just like didn't translate well into like an actual book and so this one has definitely had more like color to it i think one of the things is uh definitely the flippancy is the assumption that because it's young, it's flippant. Yeah. I've not known a lot of flippant young people. No. Because flippancy requires a degree of separation yeah. from your emotions and the situation that young people generally don't have at all. No, there's actually a scene in this section that I relate to a lot in which Max hides in a bathroom. And I was like, oh. There it is, the classic high school Mood. experience. <laughs> just hiding in a bathroom. <laughs> I would say I did that a lot, but really it's just because I had IBS. No, I just hid a lot in the bathroom uh, because I didn't want to have to see anyone. And hiding in the bathroom is a great way to not see anyone. Same. Oh, hell yeah. See, generally when I didn't want to see someone, it was because I was my anxiety was on point. And when my anxiety was on point, uh, it triggered my IBS. So it was like, if I didn't want to see people, I also had to be in the bathroom. You talked Convenient. a lot about your IBS in the last episode we had Steffi on as well. I'm starting a medical podcast <laughs> related to IBS it's survivors. It's just you talking about having IBS. <laughs> Being like chapter twenty six. Man, the shit I took earlier today, you would not believe. <laughs> God. Anyway, chapter twenty six, as you said. Uh Max and Fang head out to the map coordinates they found and come up empty on the first one. The second one they go to winds up being an abandoned apartment building with a bunch of drug dealers in it. They decide to check it out anyway. Though of note, they crack refer heads. to it Yeah, they say crackheads a lot. Um, they call them slimy and scumbags and stuff like that. But of no, no scuzzy. Sorry, I need them to stop using the word scuzzy. Yeah. 
but of note, it's not an apartment building. It's an apartment house, is what Max calls it, which is not... I don't know what that is. I'm assuming it's Is it it's a townhouse? Just, I don't know. I guess, maybe? Maybe it's a townhouse. Okay, for our non-American listener, listeners, which is most of you, uh, there are apartments which are generally buildings containing <clears throat> they're multi-level and contain like mm, four to eight units or so per floor just stacked on top of each other for a few floors a townhouse is most often still divided into floors but each floor is its own apartment so you'll have like a three-story house that's an apartment on the bottom floor, an apartment on the second floor, an apartment on the third floor. In my experience, townhouses are the opposite, in which it is, like, a very narrow, like, two-floor house, but they're all, like, up against each other. Because Brandon used to live in a townhouse. That's also a townhouse. They're called two different things. So there's a specific phrase. So they're both townhouses, but there's a phrase. Mm -hmm. Like, they both have a specific designation that I just can't remember the names for it right now but anyway i don't understand what they were going for here other than shitting on drug addicts again which i guess is just the easiest road to take you can shit on the mentally ill and you can shit on addicts um chapter 27 they explore the abandoned apartment building for a while but don't find anything right as they're about to leave max finds a photo of gazzy stuck behind the baseboard for some reason Gazzy with his mother holding him. Yeah. Weird. So I guess their family used to live here is the implication. Which is weird because, like, the first place they went to was not at all related to any of them. They also go to more places later, which we'll touch on, and none of them are related to them. But they never tell Gazzy about this photo they find. Yeah. It just stays secret for some reason. Weird. Anyway. Chapter 28. The uh, crackheads return and are very upset that someone is in their crib. As they put it. Uh, Max and Fang run upstairs to escape. But then Fang disappears, so Max turns around and it's just the crackheads in the hallway coming up the stairs behind her. Uh, the men then tell Max in a in form of euphemisms that they're going to rape her. <sighs> Literally, they're just like, yeah, we're just, we're gonna sexually assault you now. <sighs> uh, at which point... Fang just reappears behind them with his wings spread out and a pin light under his face going, God doesn't like bad people. <laughs> and then Max joins him and they both pretend to be angels sent by God to test them. Uh... And they failed. And then they fall backward down the stairs. The whole chapter is a hot mess. Yeah, it was not great. <laughs> I don't. We got. I loved it. We, we got loved it? looking down. Oh, Steffi, yeah. that's good. 
we we got condescending to to people that have addiction problems. We have rape threats. We have religion. <laughs> there's a lot of religion in these chapters. Like there's a part where Max is like parents are doing the Lord's work and stuff like that. <laughs> Like, I appreciate the religion for Max, though, just because it, it feels extremely tongue-in-cheek. It feels condescending. It definitely yeah. feels. She's like, uh, don't tell our parents that. They're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> People always listen when you just say it's God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, chapter 29. Max enjoys a shower, and then Iggy wants to get in. But Max refuses, even though, as Iggy says, he's blind. So he's like, can I come into the bathroom? And she's like, no. And he's like, I literally can't see you. I'm blind. Yeah. And she's like, I don't care. No. But then she has a mental breakdown again because the reason she's freaking out is that she sees herself as an eraser in the mirror. And the eraser talks to her and is like, hey, we can help each other. And she's like, no. And the eraser's like we're the same she's like no we're not and then she runs out of the bathroom and runs into her room and slams the door didn't we earlier discuss the fact that this house has five bathrooms yes (laughs) why is Iggy trying to get into this one maybe because he's blind she only knows the way to this bathroom (laughs) (laughs) if that's the case why is Max using if I don't only, know. If Iggy only knows the way to one bathroom, that is Iggy's bathroom. Everybody else needs to go away because Iggy only can find this one. Listen. Iggy just keeps like goes to the door every time he goes to it. Somebody else is in the bathroom. He's like, I'm, I had Taco Bell, man. I really gotta go. Guys, they find why? Iggy passed out on the floor in the hallway. His body just couldn't keep up with the toxicity of the Taco Bell in his bowels. Oh my god! He's blind. Oh, I know! He's my favorite blind bird boy. <laughs> There's not a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, so, chapter 30, Fang comes in. To see Max, and he tries to comfort her. Which, by the way, she's still just like wrapped in a towel. Yeah, I like I, I liked that. I was just <laughs> like, okay, so Iggy can't see you in a towel, even though he's blind, but Fang can hold you while you're in a towel. <laughs> well, yeah, Fang's hot. Anyway, <laughs> uh, when Max asks him if he would help take care of things if she turns into an eraser. He says he will and kisses her forehead. Aww. I guess. <laughs> it's so For dumb. Because she's literally, she brings it up out of nowhere. She's like, if I become an eraser, will you take care of things? And in her head, she's like, he has to know what I mean. It means he'd have to kill me. And he's like, I'll do what needs to be done. It's like- and in his head, he's probably like, the fuck is this bitch talking about? <laughs> have you guys had this discussion before? Why would that ever come up? If I f- if I fly into a bird kid rage, it's your job to take care of me. Steffi? Yeah. If I ever turn back into a man, it's your job to take <laughs> care of me. 
Well, that will be difficult. I'm I'm scared of knives. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I'm scared. Your of symbol men. is literally <laughs> a duck wielding a knife to stab people. Just break me like you break those boards in Taekwondo. Okay. Chapter thirty-one. Uh, the flock is hanging out by the pond while Max does. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just remembered this from when we were taking our notes earlier. Uh, the flock is hanging out by the pond while Max does research on Anne's laptop and realizes a bunch of kids have gone missing in the D.C. area. Then total talks. Oh, God. So- when we were taking these notes, <laughs> we were both, like, doing the notes at the same time. And so Sarah was right above me while I was writing chapter notes down and i started writing the notes for this chapter under chapter 32 instead yeah and i went so as she was writing i like stuck my cursor into hers and i was like emmy stop that's the wrong chapter it's really hard to follow the chapters sometimes in this book when you're doing notes. Oh, yeah. If you're curious as to why we always manage to, like, we'll be reading the chapters and you'll hear one of us start the next chapter. And we're like, oh, sorry, that's your chapter. It's because it's literally like there's, we had to read 30 chapters in this one. So. Uh. It, it gets hard to keep track of. Um, but yeah, so Total can talk. Yeah, and he and Max is like, why didn't you tell us? And he's like, well, I wasn't hiding it from you, but I'm still getting used to the fact that there's flying bird kids. Yeah. What? Also, I fucking died when he talked and Max first assumed it was Gazzy. Looks up, Gazzy's like 30 feet in the air. And so she looks at Angel and she's like, Angel, can Total talk? And Angel's like, yeah. And she's like, why didn't you tell us? And Angel's like, well, don't tell him I said this, but Total's actually just not that interesting. <laughs> Alright, chapter 32. The flock can't sleep, so they all go fly. And the voice gets all philosophical with Max and tells her she needs to learn to go with the flow. Which doesn't really make any sense in context. Yeah. It's like... What is she supposed, what flow is she supposed to be going? I don't beat the shit out of the erasers. I don't know. Anyways. I honestly don't know what the, what the voice was going for here, especially because before the voice was all about the fact that like Max's life was like predetermined and stuff. So why is it all of a sudden being like, yeah, just hang out, just go with the flow. It's fine. Okay. So you know how I said last time that I think the voice is Max in the future. So this is uh-huh. a different Max in the future. That's also <laughs> a voice talking to her. And so it's just multiple future Maxes arguing with Okay. Max. Got it. Understood. <laughs> Chapter 33. Iggy listens to a bunch of bats echolocate while Gazzy tries to play Rage with Nudge. That was supposed to say tag, but for some reason it says rage. (laughs) So I guess he's just beating the shit out of Nudge. (laughs) It does say that he like flies up to her and just like slaps her with his wings. So yeah, absolutely. Um, 
But Max starts to feel feverish again and just leans into it. I don't really know how that it's she's like, I'm feeling feverish. Which then leads to her normally when I feel feverish, my first thought isn't exert energy. It's stop using energy altogether and go to sleep. But her version of leaning into the feverishness is using more energy. And so she starts just flapping out and (laughs) she just bursts ahead of the clock going like 200 miles. She lists all these speeds they can fly at. Yeah. And then she goes like way faster than that. Yeah, she's like, it's like 120 at normal and like 140 if they sprint. But when she says, can you stop showing us your nostrils? (laughs) (laughs) I've been wanting to say that was in my fan fiction. If you remember, she flew really fast. She flew so fast. She did. She flew so fast. She's she's bird flesh. But yeah, she's she's gained a new power now, which seems to be that she can fly. (laughs) really fast and total is like i want to fly with her (laughs) yeah everybody has just accepted that um total can fly not fly can talk by the way (laughs) okay to be fair i don't think it's that hard to accept once you're a mutant yourself you're just like it's gonna be like a oh this is weird that's a talking dog but it's probably gonna be a pretty short yeah uh adjustment period (laughs) I think it does give it a whole new brand of weird, though, because, like, later there's a part where it's mentioned that Total has been sleeping in Angel's bed, but also he has the temperament of, like, a middle-aged New Yorker. Okay, so that's the thing, is I, I was thinking about that, too, because he licks, he, like, jumps up and licks Max's face at one point, and Max's like, I'm gonna have to talk to him about that. My only thought on this is it's, there's nothing inherently human yeah like he can talk and he can use logic but he has none of the like the way that james yeah (laughs) the way that james patterson has chosen to like have him talk though definitely gives off the impression that he's like a man yeah which is funny and weird it is funny and it is odd especially because he's like hanging out with a bunch of children but like you know he's also a dog yeah i think it's just he talks like that but that's not actually like he has none of the urges all right chapter 34 ari is mad that max can fly super fast and sees the flock's abilities as gifts jeb has given them He's sparring with other racers to get his anger out and imagines beating the shit out of Max. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of like the Ari chapters sometimes. Sometimes they're weird. But sometimes it's like, it's just, it's nice to first of all get out of Max's head for a little bit. But also it's just like, like getting into the brain of someone who actually has motivation is very refreshing as far as this book goes. As far as our podcast goes. As far as our podcast goes, (laughs) Bella's entire motivation was to fuck Edward, and Edward's entire motivation was to not fuck Bella, so. um, Until the end, and then their motivation was to fuck. fuck all the time on the floor of their cabin. 
Um, but yeah, so I actually enjoy getting into the perspective of this person who just like has a lot of rage. Though I do have a thing to note later on uh-huh. based on our beating the shit out of these people. Yeah. But we'll get to that. Um, so chapter 35, the flock heads out to investigate the remaining addresses in the city and Max is conned into carrying Total with her. Iggy is blind. Um, Angel says she's <laughs> she's been reading Anne's mind and that the woman doesn't seem to be evil, but she does think that something is about to happen. Chapter 36. Yeah. <laughs> um, all of their searching for their parents is just coming up short. And Feng is very upsetty spaghetti that they find a barber shop instead of his mom. And Total takes a pee-pee break. Yeah. The end of the chapter, he's just like, hold on. And then he just goes over and starts peeing on a fire hydrant. I gotta go pee-pee. It's the best. I actually love the trope of a talking dog because it's so funny. Because, like, that's exactly what they would do. They'd just be like, I gotta pee, I gotta pee, I gotta pee. Stop. I will say that while there's still a lot of statements in the book, that are very unnatural. Yeah. Um, the dialogue and character interactions are a vast improvement over the first book. Oh, they yeah. are definitely more realistic. Not great, not always good, but less a lot less cringe than they were the first go around. Yeah, for sure. Uh, partly, we're going to see one in this chapter, chapter 37. Uh, when another failure leads to Iggy having his own mental breakdown and a very understandable one at that. Yeah, yeah. Um, This was, I was expecting it to get cringy because of the way the books have been written so far. But it, it started out with a, with a, him just being like, I'm upset, nothing's working. And Max being like, look, we're all upset but we have to like learn to live with it. And so I was expecting him to just be like, no, I don't like it. And just be the only one that isn't willing to deal with it. And is going to pitch a fit about it, even though everyone's dealing with the same thing, but no, he actually goes into some very personal shit where he's like, I'm blind. (laughs) He's blind this whole chapter. (laughs) I'm blind. Yeah. But no, he's like, I'm blind. So all we ever do is run away and search for things and we don't find answers and every time we go somewhere you guys can see but i can't and it's a lot harder for me to adjust every time we go somewhere new yeah and i remember what it's like to see but i'll never will again and on top of that all of you are going to leave me at some point and then i'm going to be alone and what am i going to do yeah you really uh, it was actually really good because you really feel for him in that moment because it's true you know i mean it's like there are blind people all over the place who have learned how to live with it but like they have benefits that they get to exist in society um you know they get to get seeing eye dogs or they get to live in the same place and you know the way that he used to when they lived in the house you know he could get around and it was fine then but the fact that they are on the run and are constantly on the run and don't know when they'll ever not be on the run means that he's never in a familiar place and he has no benefit that helps him to get by so 
I don't know. It was just it was very it to, it was very compelling to me to yeah, read. Yeah, it was probably the first time in all of the books we've read where I've been like, this is an extremely I not relatable in the sense that I know exactly what he's yeah. going through, but relatable in the sense that like this is a real emotional a real situation with emotional depth that i can understand yeah as a fellow human oh absolutely this is definitely where uh i i told you in the last episode that in the first book i was more of like a fang fan but then as the books went on i became more of an iggy fan and i remember being really invested in this part and probably crying about it because i was like oh no iggy you know what, if this had been just a cheesy show up until this point, and then I watched this part in the show, this scene probably would have made me cry, and I wouldn't even, yeah. like, I wouldn't judge him before, because it's like, no, this is real. Like, I get this. Yeah, it's like when uh, you're watching Naruto, and uh, <laughs> Rock Lee takes off his weights at the tuning exam, and you're like, oh my god, we've got a scene with emotional depth, after just I was... watching everybody fuck around for a while. My brain actually went to Avatar, where it's like every once in a while you just have this sudden, very serious oh, yeah. tone takeover and have something really emotional happen. It just completely opposite of the whole yeah. kid show nature. Oh yeah, like uh, literally my favorite episode of Avatar of either of the series is Zuko Alone, um, where he like goes off away from Uncle Iroh for a while and like goes and does his own thing and like helps that village or whatever. And um, in the end, they're, like, really ungrateful when they realize that he's Fire Nation. And he's like, oh, this is what my country has done to the rest of the world. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's one of the most poignant episodes of the entire series. Uh. Kid stuff. Keep doing the poignant shit. Yeah. It's good. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because it, it sticks with you. Obviously, I remember literally the name of the episode and everything that happens in it. And I've seen it twice in my life because I've only seen it the one time I watched it as a kid and one time when I rewatched it a couple years ago. It's not like I've seen it a million times. It's just so good. Anyway. That's a lie. They watch it every night before they go to sleep. I do not. If you were talking about, like, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood or something, you would be more on the money. Because I've seen that show so many times. I've seen it four times. So and good. we're on the fifth as Steffi approaches the end. We, were wa- we watched an episode this morning while we ate before it was reading time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, so Iggy has his breakdown. Um, and then he accidentally breaks a shop window because he picks up a rock off the street and just throws it and obviously can't see where he's throwing. (laughs) Um, and the alarms start going off and the police are coming and nobody can get him to come with them. He's just, he like just sits down the street and he's like, no, let them take me. I don't give a shit anymore. And Max has, following this very real moment with Iggy, has the most real dialogue we've seen in these books yet where she goes up to him and she's like look i love you i love all of us and i need you to come with us because i'm not myself if i don't have all of you and then she says i swear i will kick your skinny white ass from here to the middle of next week i'm just like yes thank you that's the first real swear word we've had 
like during when uh the night that her and fang went out and found the drug apartment home uh when they were getting misses before they found the apartments <clears throat> uh she was like fang cursed because we didn't find anything and when they had their next failure she was like do you want to curse or is it my time to curse he's like you can take it and she's like well crap yeah <laughs> is that cursing i i was under the depends Im- on how southern <laughs> christian you are um sometimes a good oh honey is all you need but um yeah that was a good chapter i liked that chapter a lot definitely i think the best chapter so far in either of these books yeah absolutely um, so chapter 38, Anne makes dinner, then announces that she's enrolled the flock in school, which Fang finds hilarious at first. He's like, oh, what a great joke. And she's like, no, really, you start on Monday. Which is. Uh, <laughs> okay, I get what she's trying to do. Yeah, I don't understand the motivation. This has to be for a woman who has shown very strong adaptability and tolerance of new things and good sense in dealing with children and just a weird situation to just be like I'm just going to enroll these kids in school and tell them the night before without any warning and without discussing it with them just seems way out of left field i'm just like why would she do this and especially knowing that they have had absolutely no school before this this is not like i could understand having somebody come to the house and teach them like a private teacher and i can also understand wanting them to have more interactions with real people but sending them to not just a school where they're going to be surrounded by new people in an environment they don't know but a private school, oh, yeah. which is such a worse environment to send kids that don't fit in into. Because these private schools are generally a bunch of kids with well-off parents. Yeah. It's typically not a super welcoming place. I don't really no, understand. And- it's just a bad plan all around. I don't know what the fuck Anne was is doing here. This seems contrived. Chapter 39. Max is mad, so she goes on a long fly. And when she gets back, Fang is waiting for her. He assures her that Anne is never going to take her place. And Fang's been really talkative the past few chapters. I don't know where it came from. But he's just been saying a lot of nice things. I do like this version of Fang more because it definitely Absolutely. comes off to me like he was this he was silent before because there he didn't think there was anything that needed to be said, yeah. but now he's seeing how rough the situation is on Max, and so he's talking because he feels like he needs to say the things that Max needs to hear. Yeah, it feels a lot like maybe he's just more quiet around the others, but like he says what he needs to say with Max because it's, you know, maybe they're closer. I don't know. They're And I I was just going to say they're the closest in age, so I guess it would make sense. Yeah. 
but I this is another section that I actually really really liked because I guess it's it's the way it's delivered it's you know having uh, been around my family I had multiple friends in high school who would like come and live with us sometimes yeah. because they had a lot of home life problems and Max here is really upset about what's going on with Anne thinking that her Anne's going to take her place and that she's not going to be needed or wanted anymore and Max that's where he's like look they're comfortable right now and they're happy because they're comfortable but they still love you and they're never going to forget the person that kept them alive and took care of them for all that time and I guess that really stuck with me because it's like even now some of those friends that I had in high school still talk to my mom mm -hmm. and consider her to be more their parent than their actual parents are yeah um, one of my best friends from high school actually recently his cousin was murdered oh geez and it was my mom who talked him out of doing anything stupid and he was telling her how the only reason he knows what a family is is because we took him in and gave him a family Aww. and I, I guess please don't <laughs> Having come from having come from dealing with situations like that, it is. I guess it struck a chord with me to have somebody be like, "Look, they people are. You might not be their real mom. You might not be their real sibling, but they're still going to remember who took care of them and who was there for them when they needed it." Yeah. And you can't replace that. Absolutely. I agree. I, yes, I think that that was really, I, <laughs> I'm a little lost for words. Um, that's really cool. I, it's definitely something that like you can tell Max has been struggling with a lot. And I think that it's nice that Fang is like, he, when she shows back up at the house, he like has a glass of water for her. Cause like he knows she's been gone for hours. So like he knows that she's going to like, need to drink some water and stuff like that and so you know it feels like a very comfortable like knowing situation like he's not just coming out of left field he's like he knows her better than anyone so that's why he's there for her in this way and i wish we had more of the i didn't we had the kiss in book one and in book one it felt unjustified yeah this in all of the books we've read so far this is the first <laughs> time where like because of the genuine <clears throat> connection between them yeah and how well he knows her and the things he's doing for her this is the first time where she was like i'm falling for him now i'd be like yeah yeah that, i get it like clearly he is very kind to you he makes you feel nice he tells you the things that you need to hear he's there for you when you need like yeah I can understand having feelings for him in this situation. And I like. She denies having feelings for him, but. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird because, okay, yeah, we're going to get to that shortly. Yeah. I'll talk about it then. I find it really weird that she does, but I'll talk about why when it happens. Yeah. Um, it's chapter 40. 
the flock gets ready for school and Max tries to tell Angel not to screw with the teacher's heads. And she does not seem very receptive yeah, to that. Yeah, she's like, I won't. Unless I really have to. <laughs> Max is like, no. And she's like, well, I won't unless I need to. Come on. <laughs> I mean, what if I need to? I mean, sometimes you just need to manipulate a person's thoughts. Of course. Uh, yeah. Who does Angel is a very good peek into what happens. Because, <laughs> like, a lot of the times in media you see, like, because she's a main protagonist. Yeah. At this point, at least. I don't know what happens to her. I just know that right now she's a main protagonist. Yeah. And a lot of times when you have main protagonists with, like, psychic and psychokinetic powers and stuff like that, they're, they do good things with them. Yeah, they're always, like, or, very squarely moral, you know? Like, they don't, they're like, they see other people using their powers badly, and they're like, no. So this is really interesting to see a protagonist that has these powers and doesn't seem to understand the boundaries between human beings and that you can't just make this is like what happens if you gave an actual manipulative person these kind of powers It's because she's a child yeah she is under because children are basically they have antisocial personality disorders or attributes of them it's there was you know there was that study that found that like Age seven is when you start to understand that your actions have consequences for other people. You know, like you don't, you can tell a child over and over again, if you hit someone, it's going to hurt them. But they don't really understand that until they're around like seven or eight years old. An angel is not that old yet. Person to person, age to age. Yeah, like your brother still doesn't understand. (laughs) He... (laughs) Clearly, she d- <laughs> uh, I broke Emmy. Uh, it's funny because we had a... Uh, I was talking to my mom the other day. He got... He's doing Taekwondo... Or, uh, not Taekwondo. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. And he just got his first stripe. And she was... Because he he's weird because he can be really considerate and then other times he's dense as a rock yeah and she was like he had no idea he was earning his first stripe and so they were calling off all the other names for people in the class that were getting them and he didn't think he thought he wasn't getting one and he was still like excited and happy for all the other people getting it Aww. and i'm just like God, he's a weird case of just being really nice, but also kind of an asshole sometimes. He's really nice to all of his uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu classmates, but not to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, chapter 41. Anyways, chapter 41. So they arrive at the private school, and it looks extremely well-maintained, and Anne reminds them that they have to walk home. Yeah. Um, and I, okay, so I don't know how people outside of America view private schools exactly, but like the way he's setting this up is that it's a very prim and proper private school yeah. where you expect strict rules and people are going to be really snooty 
and judgmental, which doesn't really mesh with most of what happens when they're at this school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the headmaster is an asshole. But... Yeah, but it's like just him. Yeah. And even then, he doesn't do what I ultimately expect him to do. Yeah. Which, is yeah. <laughs> chapter 40. 42. 42. Yeah, you just read chapter 41. Oh, I did not scroll down. <laughs> it's your chapter. Uh, Ari, is watching the, <laughs> Ari is watching the flock and talking to a girl who's sitting with him. Who is revealed to be a clone of Max, literally called Max 2. Except with no sense of compassion, apparently. Yeah, she's uh, she's heartless. They are just talking about, like, fucking up these kids and high-fiving each other. Yeah, but her name is Max 2. Her name you know is Max do? 2. If Steffi ever leaves me and I end up finding a new girlfriend, I'm going to name him Steffi too. <laughs> yeah. like, you're Steffi too now. Well, this is just this is just like Little Shop of Horrors. Oh my god. It's amazing. Except I hope Steffi too won't wind up being an alien monster plant. Listen, there won't be a Steffi too. <gasps> oh, oh. She plans to kill me if she leaves me. <laughs> I feel like you should be honored that I you're so irreplaceable that I would make somebody be named Steffi too. Steffi too. It's just so funny that it's like it's not like they gave her like a slightly similar name and but told us that she was a clone of Max. She's <laughs> like Max if she was two. named Maxine. Yeah. No, she's Max too. It's just it's it's also like it's you're na- you can't name a person the way you name a sequel. <laughs> Oh, they could have named her Maxi Pad. Why would they do that? <laughs> Why would they name her Maxi Pad? That's such a stupid thing that you just said. Why did you say that? Because these people are literally evil to the nth degree and cruel and have no sh- like shred of good in them. And if I was going to do something shitty to somebody named Max, I would totally just name them Maxi Pad. Nobody will take them seriously. Chapter 43. Teachers come to take the flock to their classrooms. And uh, the flock evaluates escape routes and stuff the whole time. Yeah, it's... uh, That's how it be. That is how it be. I guess. Chapter 44. We follow the flock in school. Angel gets answers right by reading teachers' minds, including... Talking about drug cartels. Yep. When asked about an area in South America. Um, Nudge is bad at spelling. Gazzy. He's on the playground during recess. And a kid is up on a jungle gym. And is like, I can fly. And Gazzy's just like, I do it then. I want to see it. Yeah. So the kid jumps off and breaks his arm. <laughs> And so another kid comes up and he's like, bro, when a kid says that they're going to jump off the top of a jungle gym, you don't tell them to do it. You tell them not to do it. Yeah. It's and so Gaddy's silly. Like, okay, I didn't know. <laughs> That's like such a stupid the- thing. Like, what do you mean? 
and you tell them not to do it. If I was in grade school and someone was like, I can fly, I'd be like, spread your wings. <laughs> this definitely seems like an adult would tell a kid this. Yeah. But it's another first grader telling Gazzy this. And it's also not even like Gazzy like taunted the other kid. He's just, he literally describes it as he's got his hand like over his face as he's looking at, at this kid and the kid is like, I can fly. And Gazzy goes, and I quote, let's see it. <laughs> yeah. Like he genuinely is just like, yeah, okay. Like, and and it's not like he's like, oh, do it. You ain't got no balls. You got no <laughs> balls. Jump off. Got no Ugh, like he's... Technically, he probably has no balls. I mean, yes, because they're children. But still, you know, it's not like he was like, you're a pussy, jump off the jungle gym. He was just like, let's see it. And then in the second round of cursing for this book series, which is really weird coming from a first grader, yeah. the kid says that Gazzy's from Planet Dumbass. He's like a third grader, okay? Okay, Ange but still Angel's like... in the first grade, come on. She's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> We're having an... So you would, So the drug dealers said, I'm going to bust you up. And the mean billionaire said... Uh, or, or no, Ari said to the mean billionaire, watch it, dipstick. But like but this... the third grader can say dumbass. <laughs> I don't know, James Patterson. Maybe he got a lot of feedback about how stupid the cussing was. But like... It's not been as prevalent, it but yeah, been. they still do. Yeah. And it's been as as painful still. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then Max has lunch with a new friend. You forgot to mention which that is, Fang got flirted with. Oh yeah, Fang was flirted with. Uh a redheaded girl flirted with Fang. And he didn't even seem to understand that she was flirting with him. She was like, <gasps> No, I'm really glad you're in my class. And he was like, why why <laughs> and it's like that scene and then that next scene you know what scene i'm talking about it doesn't yeah. make any sense he goes from not understanding to that what <laughs> well i feel like it might be in the subtlety thing mm -hmm. i can get it like he doesn't understand the subtlety because He's never dealt with this. But when it comes to the next scene, he's like, oh, I, can, nah, I understand this. I can get this. down with this. Um, so the teacher, Angel's teacher points at a map and she's like, does anybody recognize this area? And Angel's like, yeah, it's Yucatan. And she's like, Yucatan Peninsula. She's like, oh, do you know anything about it? And Angel says all this stuff and the teacher is like, okay. And then she's like, let's talk about the Mayan ruins. They're in the first grade. What? Why are you talking about Yucatan and the Mayan ruins? They're in the first grade and live in Washington, D.C. What? Not even in D.C. Shouldn't be able to pronounce Yucatan. I know. It was so weird. I was literally like, what are you talking about? Why? But, you know. Chapter 45. Max is in class getting all of the answers right because the voice in her head is actually giving her answers now. This thing is the most inconsistent piece of shit. It's like, do I need to help you when you're surrounded by the FBI in a hospital trying to figure out what the fuck you're going to do because one of your members of your flock is dying? No. 
but I will help you make sure you don't fail in ninth grade history. It's very silly. Uh, but then she's called to the office to speak to the headmaster, where Gazzy and Iggy are waiting for her. Yeah. It, you know, as it were. Chapter 46, Gazzy and Iggy have been accused of setting off a stink bomb in the bathroom, and the headmaster is a massive douchebag about it. Literally just, like, says that, like, children are assholes and that he hates them. Uh, Max tells the boys she's going to talk about this incident when they get home, and also, she has a headache. Which, the expected outcome, based on the way this guy acts, would be to immediately remove them from the school since it's their first day. Which is not the outcome. He's just like, don't do more stupid shit. Yeah, he just sends them back school. to class. Well, also, I like, don't understand what? why they called Max in. No, I don't either. Because it's like, it's not her. She's not the parent. I think it was purely just so that she could witness him being a dickwad. But also, like, there's just something so stupid about the fact that this villainous dude is specifically given a hoity-toity British accent to just make him seem more evil. Yeah. It's like, really? Really, James Patterson? We're gonna we're gonna keep going with the evil people have to be British concept? Yeah. It's, it's, um... Yeah, it's really stupid. Wait, I thought the evil people are always Russian. No, evil, so a lot of the times, like, evil, uh, like, the evil masterminds and, like, spy movies and stuff are British. Or specifically, they'll be, uh, in, uh, American media for, like, younger people, the headmasters or principals of schools will be British, and they're also evil. It's very common to see the headmaster be British, an evil British person. For no reason, like, I don't understand why you live in America and are a headmaster at this school. It don't make much sense. I don't understand why you're a headmaster and you hate kids this much. I mean, Max even <laughs> makes that comment. She's like, yeah, nice career choice. Anyway. But yes, Russians are also bad guys a lot. <sighs> hey, comrade, let's go get some vodka. Yeah, and I'm German and Russian like that. I'm the combination of evil people. Surprisingly, we don't villainize Germans a whole lot. We only villainize Nazis, which is also ironic considering how much of the United States I aligns with Nazi philosophy. <laughs> um, in Die Hard, the terrorists are German. Well, I didn't say it never happens. I just I'm said just you saying. Don't I'm letting like, you know. I'm just. I'm it's giving not, you an example. It's not an expected trope. generally the expectation would be if you see a german person in a movie and they're a bad guy it's not that they're bad because they're german it's that they're a nazi yeah typically we just pretend that the like all of the bad in germany was just nazi and we treat it as a separate thing from germany (laughs) yeah because the germans actually do suck Wait, but I thought kind of, because okay. there's a stereotype that everybody is like, oh, you're German? Are you a Nazi? No, no, nobody actually thinks that. No, that's it's... not true. Well, no, I would say typically people don't think that anymore. I had a German neighbor yeah. who, she was born in the 30s. 
Um, but she moved here in like the seventies, I believe. And it was like a huge thing when she moved into the neighborhood, a bunch of people were like vandalizing her house and like, you know, harassing her all the time because they just like could not differentiate. They thought that all Germans were Nazis. Same thing with the Japanese. Oh, but as you see now, Japanese and German, like there's been an ideological separation in yeah the more recent decades so yeah somebody might see you and be like are you a nazi but nobody does it seriously it's generally just them being a smart ass because you're german if someone calls you a nazi just punch them in the face (laughs) and then say i punch nazis in the face chapter 48 nope nope 47 47 oh yeah uh, the flock walks home and Gazzy does some humorous impressions of the headmaster. Uh, Max gives the boys a stern talking to to ensure that they won't stick out at school anymore. She did it. She gave them a talk. I actually was wondering when during the scene when they were talking to the headmaster because they were like, we didn't do it. Yeah. And she was like, they don't lie. We wouldn't lie. Our parents are missionaries. <laughs> yeah, our parents are missionaries. And that's what, like, the, even the headmaster's like, oh, parents are missionaries? <laughs> like, he literally, like, thought better of it just because of that, which is so silly. But still, I was legitimately like, the way they talked, aside from that comment from Max, I was just like, oh, did they actually not do it? Was it somebody else? Because I, I was like, oh, somebody did it and blamed it on them to try and get them in trouble because they're the new kids and they don't like them. Okay. And it was like, no, it was actually us. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were <laughs> They were like, oh, no, yeah, it was definitely us. Don't make no mistake. Pulled a fast one on me. Yeah. Chapter 48. Anne has cookies and hot chocolate waiting at home despite the stink bomb incident, which she received a call about. Uh, Max offers to teach her how to make cookies from scratch. And this section is really weird because she talks about, like, how she's been mean to Anne this whole time. And that has something to do with her offering to teach her how to make cookies. And the fact that she isn't trying to be mean, I really didn't understand. (laughs) But I was just like, okay teach her how to make cookies i guess i i think there's a part of it because she's like after she says like oh i could teach you how to make some and Anne is like oh yeah thanks sure max is kind of like oh god like i didn't expect it to be like a thing not to mention i think max just like really heavily associates the like making cookies with like ella and her mom from the first book so she's just kind of like i don't know She's always she's yeah, been weird about the cookies ever since it happened. But wasn't it also that look, that the other kids were looking at Max and were like, "Oh, why are you so nice all of a sudden?" And she was like, "Oh, damn! Was I really so mean to her all the time?" Yeah, I guess I think it. Yeah, definitely. Like the other kids being like, "Oh, so you're gonna like do something nice for her?" Made her kind of be like, "Oh, yeah, maybe I have been too mean to her this entire time." Maybe I'm a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Max. Chapter 49. 
Angel uses mind powers to get the teacher to hold recess on the big kid playground and then plays Swan Lake because they just read Swan Lake uh, with the other kids. And she thinks about wanting to use her wings and how after Max saves the world, most normal people will be dead. Uh, and she probably won't have to hide because apparently Jeb told her that most people are going to die when Max saves the world. And there's just been nothing said about this. She's just kept yeah. that one to herself. It's it's another it's another case of just like Angel just doesn't have empathy because she's like, man, it'll be so nice when most of the normal people are gone and I don't have to hide anymore and stuff. And it's like, you are playing with those normal people right now. That's why I was like, you want your friends to die? Yeah. Like, are you okay? No, nope, got it. <laughs> Understood. Um, chapter fifty. Uh, Max spends study hall in the library where she meets a cute boy named Sam. And he's nice to her. Ow, ow! Yeah, he's like, hey, so are you like, because she gets in there and the computers are all being used because it's a, it's a moderately large school and they have six computers. Um, and uh, she's like, oh, man. Okay, so she starts to leave and this guy is like, oh, no, I'll get up. It's okay. And so he's like, oh, so are you, like, doing schoolwork or are you just, like, using the computer for personal reasons? And she has a moment of being like, why is he interrogating me? <laughs> and then she's like, oh, no, wait, maybe he's just, like, being nice. And so she's like, oh, just a personal thing. And he's like, oh, me too. I was looking at this kayak I want to buy. Anyway, okay, bye. And then he leaves. And she was just like, oh, okay. With his Christmas money. With his Christmas money, which she doesn't know what that is. Also, I'm like, there it is. There's the there's the private school thing. Can afford to buy a kayak with his Christmas money. Yeah. Uh, so uh. chapter 51, Max and Fang do some more research and they discover an article about a disgraced geneticist who was imprisoned for conducting illegal human experiments. I don't, I don't think Fang was there, homie. Yeah. It was at the beginning, it was literally in the first sentence. It was like, Fang and I did more research. And then... Oh. She, but she leaves this, and then the next scene is where she sees Fang. Then she might have just been referencing that they had done more research at the beginning of the chapter. Because the first sentence I is think literally so. Fang and I. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just that she was talking about the previous research, because mm, okay. she's not with him in the scene. Yeah, no, I know. I was just... he was He was mentioned. He was there in spirit. Yeah, but yeah. So then they they did they they she finds uh, an article about a disgraced geneticist who was imprisoned for conducting illegal human experiments. It brought. Yep. Uh, and it was because that was a random phrase that was inside all of the coded language. Yeah. On the papers. That she was like, um, oh, I guess it wasn't just gibberish, Max. There are other languages. Max, other languages exist. I don't understand. I'm a bird kid. Oh, oh. Continue. Steffi's doing some research over here. <laughs> um, chapter fifty-two. Uh, so Max is thinking about what she just learned as she heads down the hall, and then sees Fang with a girl in a secluded room, 
the girl puts the moves on Fang, literally pushes him up against the wall, and leans into him. And kisses him. And then kisses him, <laughs> and Max is like, well, at first she's like, why is she attacking Fang? And then she kisses him, and then she's like, oh, oh. And so she's like, well, and she sees Fang's raising his hands. She's like, oh, I guess he's gonna, like, you know, be nice about it and push her away and tell her no. And she's like, oh, but no, 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 nope. He he is feeling up her back and he is kissing her. Oh, boy. <laughs> so then she runs off uh, and Max goes into the bathroom and panics and hides. I relate. And I relate. She's just like, he's like a brother to me. Why do I care? And the voice in her head is like, because you have feelings for him. Yeah. He's not your brother. And she's like, no, I don't. And he's like, but you do. Yeah. <laughs> and I am so confused because up until this point, I thought that it was just a known factor for both of them that she was in love with Fang. She kissed him in the first book. And so I was just like, okay, yeah, she likes Fang. And she knows she likes, and now she's just like, I don't have any feelings for him. Well, she even <laughs> when she kissed him in the first book, she was like, why did I do that? And then they never addressed it. So I think so it was, I think she was really like, she didn't even understand her own motivations. Because earlier, when he like kissed her forehead, she was like, and now I'm even more confused than ever. And it's like, why are you confused? It's okay. <laughs> They'll get their shit together eventually. I just, I'm just confused because <laughs> I thought she already knew. So now I'm just like, wait. No. She no, didn't. She didn't. <laughs> All right, chapter fifty-three. We're back with Ari, and he has a van full of erasers ready to fuck up the flock, including Max too. Uh, he imagines making them his slaves, not the erasers, but the flock. Uh, and having Max rub his shoulders where his wings hurt from being grafted on. Uh, then they pull up on the flock, and one eraser offers them a free ride, which Max is very upset that they aren't offered candy, and then all the erasers pour out of the van to attack. What? <laughs> he wants Max to rub his shoulders? Where his wings hurt? I'm sorry, the but when you fantasize about someone rubbing your shoulders, it is always sexual. Always. I don't care if it's not sexual. It's still sexual. Yeah, this is... They're siblings. Yeah. Well, they're siblings, but it hasn't really been addressed yet. He yeah. literally said... He's her brother at the end of the last book. Yeah, but, like, it hasn't actually been addressed. Like, they haven't actually been like, yes, Jeb is your father, Ari is your brother. You know? It's not like it's... I know, and Ari probably since... doesn't even know. Yeah, I wanted to say, because Ari was dead when Jeb said, hey, he was your brother. It's not about the knowing. It's about the we know as an audience. Well, yeah, and that makes course. it weird as Fuck, That's what still. makes it weird, but like, as far as Ari knows, she's just some bitch who his dad loves more than him. <laughs> I 
Chapter 54. <laughs> they all fight. Max and Ari square off. Max bests Ari, but stops before she does anything irreparable. As the flock flies away, Max sees an eraser with similar hair to hers. Now, I, I sorry. I, let me backtrack a little bit. There was this part in one of the earlier chapters where Ari was saying that he liked fighting Max because it was exciting because nobody else could fight as well as she could. And like, I know we just went over the fact that they are siblings, so it is weird. But like, that sentence just gave me really strong enemies to lovers vibes. <laughs> I need us to not think about this. And I was like, it's a big shame that they, uh, that they're literally siblings because, oh. I think that generally for enemies to lovers to work as well, you have to have a redeemable villain. And I'm not sure that Ari qualifies. Sure. He's a misguided, I mean, he's also a child. <laughs> Technically. He is seven. Though someone did point out, I was reading some tweets about Maximum Ride the other day, and someone was like, yeah, the reason uh, Ari is such a bitch is because he's seven in dog years. <laughs> so he's actually like 49 years old. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but anyway, yeah, they, they fight the erasers. It's another eraser fight. Ain't. We didn't have one in a long time. Yeah, it was refreshing. It, it, Max even Literally. makes a comment about how it's been a while <laughs> since they yeah, had a fight. It was the bite. beginning of the book. Yeah. It's been 30-something chapters. 40, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that would mean something in any other book. Yeah. But not much in this. No, not much in this one. Um, so chapter 55 when the flock returns to the house to rest up, Anne is super confused by the erasers, which Max assumes she already knew about. Which is very silly to me because at the when she met Anne in the hospital, Anne was like, we just kind of had an idea that there was like this group of scientists and stuff. We didn't really know what they were doing. And that's why you have to come with us and stuff. So I don't understand why Max thought that like she had like the inside scoop on the school. And what the fuck have they been doing when they since they've been with Anne? Because one of the reasons they stayed with Anne was for Anne to get more information. So, like, has she just been like, I'm not going to ask them anything. I'm a good FBI agent. I know that because they, they've said before that she, like, watches them fly and stuff. But, like, other than that, I honestly don't know. That's so fucking... I, I, I honestly don't know. Anyway. Uh... So she almost tells Anne about the chip in her arm, but then decides against it. Why? Why does she not do anything about the chip in her arm? She doesn't trust Anne. Maybe he's she's a masochist. Yeah, she's like, she's she wants... Like, I, you know how Ari loves to fight Max? Maybe Max loves to fight yeah. Ari. Yeah, maybe she wants them to find her. I don't know. <laughs> to be fair, she does talk about when she's fighting them how it feels good to fight them because it's a, it's a version of her that she understands is the one that fights the erasers. Yeah, because Fang literally is like, are you happy now? And Max is like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Chapter 56. It's bedtime and Max asks, asks Angel what was going on in Ari's head. And she says that most of it was anger and confusion, but 
she says that Ari also loves Max a lot. Now, there's a lot of things to take from this, but first I'm going to retreat back to that time Ari was beating the shit out of people <laughs> and imagining it to be Max. Yeah. It's generally not a good thing to want to physically beat the shit out of the person you supposedly love. I think he's confused and conflicted. He doesn't know what he feels. But also... Um... I don't know. This is building into something else, which I obviously can't talk about, so... You know? Ari is... I think they want I think James wants us to think that he is a more complex character than what we originally thought. Like he's not just a vicious enemy, which is probably a piece of feedback that he got from his fans that they were like, "We want more of Ari and we want to know what's going on with Ari and stuff like that." Which is probably why he's not dead. I don't know though. <laughs> I don't know. I like villains when they can be redeemable. I think we can. I feel like Ari. I think we can redeem Ari. If Stephanie Meyer can redeem Edward, then we can redeem Ari. It's just because, like, because we've been in his head, it's harder because we see that he doesn't have any sense of, like, compassion or empathy. Nah, what do you need it for? Being a decent human being? Nah. Who cares? Oh my god. Who cares about being a decent human being when you can just be a mean old wolf boy? Your werewolf thing is really hurting you in this analysis. <laughs> Need you to get your sexual attraction to werewolves under control. It's not my fault. They're so good. Werewolves are great. Okay? Okay? But still upset that that tribe of werewolf ladies in D&D last week didn't just change me into a werewolf when I walked in and asked to make me one of them. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that was ever going to work. I'm sorry for you that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's the end well, of this part. That's the end. This is the end. Hold Steffi, your breath you and count to ten. Did your research turn it turn up anything? Uh, I wanted to know if the geneticist is actual a person, but no. What a shame! Maybe we could have found him and asked. I him don't know what if that's sad, doing. considering he was put in prison for illegal genetic human experiments. But you would find stuff about that. Oh yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, probably a good thing he's not real. Oh, I. I will tell you, there are definitely people who would do that. Follow us on Twitter at LitMastersPod. <laughs> I am at Sarah S. Wilton. I was at M of Many Names. Steffi is at Being Steffi. Send us an email over at LiteraryMastersPod at gmail.com. Uh, hit us with a coffee at ko.ep ko-fi.com/litmasterspod um our inbox is always open i got a message early this morning from someone it was just a tiktok and <laughs> they just it was uh, oh yeah her name is sarah 
she sent us a TikTok and I opened it and I watched it and it was Twilight related. It was very funny. And I, I just responded, holy shit. And she was like, oh my God, you responded. I'm like a big fan. Aww. And I was like, um, excuse me? <laughs> what? So if you want to send us a message, please do. I'm a, I'm addicted to my phone and I will respond to you immediately. I saw in our DMs, though, there was another person who had DM'd us, and I never saw it, because apparently that was a day that em- Emmy decided to flex her password privileges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so she read the message. <laughs> she read the message and responded to it, and so I was in there. And they had said something about uh, me, uh, I don't remember, say, uh, like re- responding to something in New Moon. And I was like... I no, never saw your message. When, when Max uh, was with Ella in book one, and I was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah." There was and there was another part because they were talking about Mike saying that women was women were cruel. Hey guys, so I'm editing right now, and I realized as I was editing that I am a complete basket case. And while we were talking about the messages that we have received from wonderful listeners um i combined in my head the content of the messages from two different people who messaged us uh so lovely of you um i'm sorry i do know that you are separate people i i promise i see you i hear you and i appreciate your messages i'm just a dumbass sometimes and i uh i forget the contents of, uh, of 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 messages occasionally, so I'm sorry about that. Um, but also, I love you, and let's get back to the show. Oh, okay. In in Twilight, but yeah, um, but yeah, they did say something about me, like having a very strong reaction to you saying that Ella and Max should be together. And I was like, oh, God. I feel like everybody's going to be asking that question until it's finally revealed why. But it's okay. Yeah, even Emmy and I were sitting in a car that one time and went like, what was that? Sarah reacted very heavily <laughs> when you mentioned that. Just a- This is tearing me apart. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. But anyway. That is the end. Steffi, thank you for being here today. Um, I will see you literally in a couple of hours in my own home, so. <laughs> I haven't baked terrible cake this time. That's okay. We, we don't need terrible cake. <laughs> I also haven't baked good cake. Fuck! Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> that was not the reveal I was expecting it to be. I'm sorry. It's I okay. Really it's okay. I'm kidding. All right, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Sexy werewolf ladies.